Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming and joining on A Swift Moment today. We have a very special guest. Her name is Rebecca Lynn Craig, and she lives here in the Chicago area. And um, not only is she just a fabulous human, but she is a fabulous artist. Today, we're talking a little bit about sex positive parenting, but also entrepreneurship and really trying to find the spark that helps you feel like you're giving something back to the world. And this particular person is someone that I have met originally through doula work, but both of our lives have kept us together, but we've taken different paths, I would say. So please welcome Rebecca Lynn Craig. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. Absolutely. First off, what is your art right now? What do you, what do you do? So I am an embroidery artist. I started embroidery, I would say close to 14 years ago. I started when I was 18. I just picked it up, literally picked it up. And it's just been a hobby of mine. It's been a love of mine. And then I had my daughter, Marceline. She's two and a half years old. And when she was, I would say a few months old, I was really desperate to have something of my own. I had kind of just fallen into this routine of watching Moana reruns with her over and over again. And I wanted a creative outlet. So I picked embroidery up again. And that is how I started my first business, Thread Fox Handmade Goods. So that was awesome. Everyone wanted my embroidery. It was super exciting. And that's just kind of how I got started. It moved from hobby to business people being willing and wanting to, to purchase my items. Absolutely. I am one of the people that purchase yes, your items you because they're <laughs> so pretty. And I, there's just something so heartwarming about embroidery. I mean, it, it harkens back to, I think, a, t- a time when we're not all looking at our smartphones yes. and you get to be really creative. It takes a lot of time. You get to have your hands be moving. In my mind, it's also really close to things like knitting and crocheting because you can sit down and keep those parts of your brain active while you're still relaxing. I find it as a therapeutic exercise in my own life. I have found it very equal parts mindful and mindless. <laughs> sure. Um, it's exciting to be able to focus on something and create something beautiful while I'm watching Gilmore Girls for the billionth time and just really creating something fantastic. So I'm really pouring my love into this. Like you said, I find it really therapeutic. And I think that's what I mean when I say mindless. It's just therapeutic. It's almost zen for me as someone who has dealt with anxiety and depression and the whole reason why I got back into it was just to find something that was me and outside of parenting which parenting can be really stressful parenting can be really consuming so this was something that was really just relaxing for me to do on my own Sure. That totally makes sense to me. I had, a, a, in my view, a successful Etsy shop. I don't know if other people would consider it successful, but people bought my stuff, which was cool. I had mm-hmm. a successful Etsy shop for a while that did like really lovely um, hand-pieced aprons and large like throw pillows and things. And there was um, this glee of having someone think that the thing that I was putting my time into was worth their money. Having that outside of anything else that anyone was giving me was so fulfilling. So that that's a 
I get that. Like, yes, that feels good. You have, you have moved the direction of your embroidery business away from Threadfox Goods. You have you've yes. changed your name. And most recently, you have moved into a, I, I would say, a niche. <laughs> I think so. You've moved into a niche market of embroidery work that to me is, again, beautiful and fascinating and not for everyone. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. So Threadfox is still alive and well. Okay. What I've created is, I like to call it a, a sister business to it. So the sister business is called Embordoir. It's embroidery meat boudoir or nude sex body positive embroidery. So I had been doing Threadfox for about two years. And it's still a steady business. You know, I'm working on it. And when I'm not working on it for clients, I'm just working on my own personal passion projects with it to stay fresh. And just, again, because it's something that's really relaxing to me. So I was out of projects. I didn't have any other business that I was really working on at the moment. So I found one of my favorite nude selfies that I had taken of myself. And I used that as reference art and I created a nude embroidery of myself and the feeling that I had when I made it I it's hard to describe it was almost like something magical happening I've I have enjoyed everything that I've created with Threadfox everything has brought some kind of joy or feeling but this was different. This was something so deeply personal and intimate and empowering. Um, and I shared it with a group of, you know, closer friends saying like, Hey, I just made this. It's not for everybody. (laughs) Um, but like, I'm super excited. And I, I looked at myself in it and I had captured my stretch marks I had captured my bumps and rolls. I'm a fluffy gal. And I still looked at it in my body that I often feel very insecure in. And I just felt like I was on top of the world. Wow. And I shared it. And all of a sudden, like, it not only resounded with me, it resounded with so many other people. And it was then that I really realized it really clicked that bodies like mine Um, you know, plus size bodies, mom bodies or parent bodies that have had a pregnancy and just aren't the same as they used to be pre-pregnancy. Those are not celebrated in art. And then when you're fighting against that in social media and society saying, you know, you need your body to look this way. Let's help you get skinnier. Let's help you, you know, bounce back. Right. (laughs) Let's help you bounce back. Get rid of that. Get rid of that mom pooch. And it's like, there's so much pressure to become something other than we're not. We don't find the beauty in where we are right now. The beauty that we should see. The beauty that our partners see. The beauty that our friends see. And it just clicked for me that like, if I'm looking at this rendition of myself and I can see an artistic depiction of my stretch marks and my roles 
And if I can look at that artistically, honestly, and be like, wow, I look good. I feel amazing. How amazing would that be to give that same kind of empowerment to other people? So that's how Embordoir started. Wow. Did you make that jump fairly quickly after sharing that piece? Like, was the feedback so strong to you that you were like, okay, that's it. I need to figure out a way to make this happen. Or did it take some time? No, it was almost instantaneous. <laughs> and 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 it, it happened so quickly. And I've just been marveling with my partner, Drew. And I'm like, I'm excited, but it's like, oh my goodness. But I haven't felt overwhelmed. I have just felt honored that so many people, and this honestly transcends plus size. I speak a lot to, you know, plus size persons because I am one. And because I feel that so often we are not represented, you know, unless you've got that snatched waist and, you know, curves in the right places and basically photoshopped, fetishized bodies. So I speak a lot to that, but it's beyond that. It's parents, it's men and women. I've done both pieces. I've done pieces for people who are trans. I, it's so much more than that. What, what I, I believe that everyone's body, everybody should be represented. And that's one of the things that has been so exciting about seeing Embordoir take off, seeing so many different people come forward and be like, wow, I really want my body represented in that way. So yes, I started out wanting to represent bodies like mine, but I'm so excited that it has expanded beyond that. Absolutely. Do you have that original piece of art hanging in your home? I do. Is your family, like, has your family seen it? Has there been any negative feedback or surprising feedback on this choice? I have it hanging up, but I do have it easily removable. It's one of those things that I'm not quite comfortable yet (laughs) because it's very nude and very obviously me. It's one of those things that I am a very open and sexual and body positive person. But even that being still, it is okay for me to say, like, it's okay for this to be intimate and not be shared with XYZ. So my in-laws have not seen it. Sure, sure. Um, you know, and I think that that's something that um, I, I also try to bring across to people, um, especially through my method. I take privacy and safety When my clients come to me and ask for a commission, I take my privacy and safety incredibly seriously. How do you do that process? So I have a consent waiver form that I send to you. It is both compact and thorough. So it's not going to take you 22 days to fill out, but I also make sure that you feel comfortable in whatever way you want your artistic depiction shared or not shared. So, so you, you mean like a social media release? Correct. Okay. Correct. So they can choose, you know, however much or little they want their artistic depiction to be shared on the internet. Any reference photos that they send um, will never be shared or sold with anyone. It's used for art reference only. And after 30 days of me using it for art reference, I delete it off of all of my, all of my storage. So I no longer have it and that way their, their safety is protected. 
Wonderful. I, it does make sense to me that this would be a type of, of art that there are boundaries around where mm-hmm. that it would be possibly something that you would share with only your close friends or intimate friends. But I do know that there are people who really love to have sexualized art up in their house. And you are not sexualized art, but art of body, art of things that are possibly not socially acceptable. Um, You and I both share the parenting goals of being sex positive parents. I know that about you through our connections. Mm -hmm. Um, How has your, has your daughter, I mean, she's two and a half, so she's, she may not even be aware yet, but what does sex positive parenting look like for you in your art relationship with your child? She has seen me work on my pieces and she is aware because she has seen my naked body. She is aware of different body parts and what they're called and their correct names. So she's seen me working on them, and her reactions have varied from just non-interest to (laughs) seeing a pair of breasts and thinking, oh, mama nurse. (laughs) Sure, sure. Um, You know, so I want to continue to foster with her that bodies, whether they are naked or clothed, are just bodies. They're just body parts. As she gets older, obviously the sex part comes into it more. But personally, as she is right now, I don't see any reason to really hide that body positivity from her just because as adults, body positivity and sex positivity sometimes meld and mesh together, if that makes sense. Well, tell me, tell me, do you... Tell me more what you mean by that. So I think as um, as a woman who sees myself and my body, I can look at my body and be positive about my body, but I can also look at my body and be positive of the sexuality that it embodies. I'm sexy. I have great sex with my partner. I enjoy myself. So that, I think, doesn't need to come into the discussion too much with my daughter who's two and a half and and there's no register there. But body positive, absolutely, for her age, I think it's absolutely appropriate. Absolutely. It's such a nuanced conversation as children get older and they're able to comprehend more. I have a seven-year-old and a two-year-old. So there's, um, I'm, I'm seeing some of those conversations in some of the later years. And I know mm-hmm. that my daughter and I would be having very different conversations, obviously, than like, that's somebody's body. We're kind of, we're past that point at this point. Right. Now we're talking about things like puberty, and we, she had a physical the other day and the doctor was saying, you know, I, I need to look at your body. This is one of those places where it's okay for me to look at your body. Your parents are here. I'm just making sure that you're healthy and you're safe. And then the doctor asked for consent and she was like, that's, I know that you have to ask me. I know that you have to ask before you can look at me. And I don't have anything red or bleeding down there because I haven't had puberty yet. And the doctor was like, oh, are you talking about that already? And she was like, well, <laughs> Yeah, we are. So I know that some of those messages, like they're resonating for her because she is interested and it's kind of curious, like the idea that bodies change and the idea that there are different shapes and different sizes and that um, everyone 
has different parts, but they all work really, really right. well. Um, it has been an interesting conversation. We have lots of different body shapes in our family and the people that live in our household. And we put a lot of emphasis on strength and comfort and yes. making movements that feel right to that person and still a lot of consent. She's at the point right now in her life where she likes to do these like running hugs and she uh, will kind of overwhelm the person that, that mm-hmm. is in front of her. So still helping her with the idea of consent and the idea that, like we used the phrase early on, um, like you get to be the boss of your body. Yes. And then sharing it. Everyone else gets to be the boss of their body. Yes. So you, people have to ask your consent and you have to ask their consent. And that's hard. It's so hard when you're just so full of excitement for things. But that self-regulation of emotion is a large part for us on body positivity too. Like, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's definitely something that I'm, I'm on a journey. I'm learning more about as excited I am for body positivity, sex positivity, and how that relates to not only my business, but as a person, as a parent. I'm still learning. I'm still learning how I can do best by me, by my daughter, by my relationship with my partner, by, you know, my business, because I was not raised this way. Grew up with a lot of shame and confusion when it comes to body positivity, sex positivity. I I grew up with a lot of pressure to lose weight to look more like my thinner peers. So it's a journey and it's a journey that I'm still on. And especially because my daughter is still so young. And I think it's interesting that we were talking about like other people's comfort. I am a very comfortable person, especially around my daughter. Um, cause she came out of my body. Well, let me um, talk about that just for a second, yes, because when yes. you and I met, you and I met four years ago ish. I think about, yeah. Like maybe, maybe four and a half, something like that. Before you were, were doing embroidery, you and I met at a doula training. You yes. were, you were planning to be a doula. I was the person giving the training at that point. And you immediately stood out to me in the group of people. You had not had a child. You didn't believe, you shared pretty openly during that, yes. that meeting that you did not think that you could have children. And at that point in your life, you were um, really wrestling with this idea of what does my life look like if I can't have kids? So yeah. how did you know that you didn't, that you possibly weren't able to have children? So I, when I got married, to my partner who's amazing when we got married we planned on having kids and he also came from a conservative upbringing like i did so we were both just kind of following what we had been taught that we had to do we got married um which i'm so glad that we did but you know we did it because we that was what was next you know there was a lot of pressure that like oh you're dating you've been dating for x amount of time sure now get married Sure. And now we're married. So the next step to marriage is, okay, now you have babies. So I wasn't taking any birth control or anything. We were just like, hey, let's have a family. And we were having, you know, unprotected sex and I wasn't getting pregnant. And my periods were really erratic. And how long I, was that going on? How long? How long? Um... It was probably a year and a half. Okay. About a year and a half. 
Okay. Um, I mean, in, was, in our world, being being working with families trying to have children, usually professionals will say if you've been having unprotected sex with the intent to have children for more than a year, right. it's quite possible that you should see a fertility specialist. So that makes right. sense. So that's what we did. Because at first it was like, okay, fine. It's just taking a little while longer. And then when we hit that year mark, I was like, what's, what's happening? So did um, you go and see someone? I did. I went to, um, let's see, I went to a primary care specialist first, just a primary care doctor. And they said, eh, I think you might need to get some more testing done. What what was originally suspected was a thyroid condition, which runs in my family. So they were like, go get your thyroid checked out. It could be the cause of your missed periods. It could be the cause of like your inability to really lose weight. So they referred me to an endocrinologist, which handles a lot of your hormones and stuff like that. So I went and saw an endocrinologist what did they find? And my thyroid was fine and I was diagnosed with I was diagnosed with PCOS. Ah, okay. Um and that Share a little bit about what that is. So PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. It affects if I recall correctly, one out of five persons with reproductive systems. There's a lot of scary rhetoric that kind of comes with that. And also the one of the reasons why a lot of people don't think that they have PCOS is it it manifests in so many different ways. It has so many different symptoms from totally missed periods to really heavy periods to very painful periods to very light periods. It is so varied. Was it helpful to have a diagnosis? It was helpful and it was also very gut-wrenching. Sure. Um, because that was when I was told, because again, I, I thought if it was a thyroid issue, which is what we had originally suspected, okay, cool, you go on some medications and everything will be fine. With PCOS, it's different. The diagnosis came along with being told, by the way, it could be incredibly hard for you to have children. You might not be able to have children if you get pregnant your chances are a crazy amount higher of miscarrying Mm -hmm. than a person who does not have PCOS. So was this the point when you and I met? Did you know that diagnosis when you walked into that doula training? Okay. Yeah. Great. So, and I had actually not, I, I had just found out, I think a few months prior to that I was diagnosed with PCOS and, and I was still grieving in a lot of ways. I definitely I wanted children. My partner wanted children. It was also a lot of going through the emotions of, I felt that I was not able to perform and do what I had been told my entire life I had to do. So scary. So I had spent my my whole teenagehood, young adult years up until that point being told, you have to be a wife, you have to be a mom, and then having that one part that was often referred to as a woman's highest calling ripped away from me. And then, and then what? Like I, I hadn't taken advantage of going to college and pursuing a career and so many other things that so many other young people like me years prior to had been able to do. So I really came into 
you know, the doula realm, desperately seeking a place where my, where my desire to have children and grow families and stuff like that would be manifested in helping other people do so. Wow. Okay. Because, because that was taken away from me or so. <laughs> Or so I thought. Well, sure. I mean, you were trying to make, it sounds like, the, the best choices that you could with the information that you had. Yes. Yes. So um, So then you found out you were pregnant. Yes. <laughs> so PCOS, I was diagnosed and I said, you know, so what are my options now? And they said, well, a lot of, a lot of it can help when you get your weight down. There is so much, there's so much emphasis on a person's weight being the cause of one's health troubles, which it absolutely can be. But I feel like oftentimes medical professionals make it out to be the boogeyman instead of, instead of really working with a person, whether they are overweight or not, to try to find a solution to what they're dealing with. It's, oh, well, lose weight. So unfortunately, lose weight was one of the treatments that my doctor prescribed. The kicker is PCOS makes it incredibly difficult for people to lose weight. Um, so I was prescribed with metformin, which I ended up being allergic to. Oh no. <laughs> which, which was terrible. It was like, this is the only medication that we can really give you to help you. And because the other option, a lot of people with PCOS are referred to birth control, hormone, hormonal birth control to kind of help regulate um, but they said, well, we don't want to prescribe you birth control because you want to have a baby. Right. So here's some metformin. Um, I was allergic to it. So they said, yeah, sorry. The only thing that we can really recommend to you is that you lose weight. So I saw a nutritionist and I changed my lifestyle. Um, I lost 50 pounds and I got pregnant. How soon after that meeting of finding out that you were allergic to the metformin and seeing the nutritionist? I saw the nutritionist. Or maybe a better question is, you know, how long after your diagnosis mm -hmm. did you become pregnant? About eight months. Okay. So that's a very short period of time to lose 50 pounds. Yes. And, and like, I was, I was proud of myself for sure. I didn't do any crash dieting. You know, I, I didn't do any extreme lifestyle. I, I had never really learned as a young child how to really eat properly or healthy. Um, I was homeschooled, so I... I don't think that's... Com- I don't think it's a common thing. I do not think that right. nutrition is discussed very well. There's a lot of shame with food. There's yes. a lot of um, emotional attachment and, and unhealthy triggering that gets attached to treats and... Right. Um, kids getting rewarded with treats and all sorts of things. So I do not think that you are alone there at all. No, and and you're trained if you're trained at all, which I I literally received like no, I had no knowledge of how even to look at the nutrition facts on whatever. But I think now, you know, any training that comes is in the form of good food and bad food. It's hard to look at food as fuel or even just yummy things I like brownies, the corner pieces, thank you. Um, you know, but but it's hard to see food as just that, food, and not things that are good for me or bad for me. 
Have you and your husband talked about having more children? We have, and we have decided that we are pretty firmly one and done. Okay. After I had my daughter, I could not imagine having another. And we've, and it's not, it's not a conversation that we've had lightly. Do you, um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm interrupting yeah, you. Yeah. Do you mean that you can't imagine having another because of your pregnancy and birth experience or for different reasons? Different reasons. I just love her and I only want to love her. And I'm happy that I can make that decision for myself. Sure. So then in becoming a mother, did that yes. affect your, the way that you wanted to spend your time? Is, is motherhood part of why you left the doula field or were there, was it a combination of things? I think it was a combination of things. Motherhood was definitely part of it. Honestly, having been pregnant, having, having been through my own birth experience, going through those, I decided, yeah, I've seen enough <laughs> It it really spoke to me that like, just because I thought that this was something that I wanted to do, I've gotten a different taste of it that I had had before. And it's like, this isn't for me anymore. And that's okay. So I decided to cut ties. And I love that. And focus I love that. On where I was in life. I really applaud you being able to have these conversations with yourself because sometimes it's like, well, I spent all of this money to do this thing. So I just need to keep doing it. I need to try and make it work because that's what people think that I need to do. Oh, trust me. I felt, I can't tell you how much I have cried aching over that because I, because being, becoming a doula was the first step out of my marriage mother box. Yeah. That I had been told this is what you need to do. It was my first step into choosing a career because I wanted to, not because this is where my path needs to lead, which is why one of the reasons why I'm so glad that I have found this venture of of embroidery and being a work at home mom and being able to do something that I am so truly passionate about. Something that started as something loving for myself. Mm -hmm. Your and pieces are so unique. I mean, one yes. of the things that's, um, that I really love and that stood out to me was some of your first pieces when you were starting with, with uh, Threadfox, you allowed the person who was doing or who asking the commission of you to have quite a bit of um, participation in mm -hmm. choosing different elements. It was so easy. Give you a basic outline of kind of what I was looking for. And then you sent me so much information and I could just say, yes, I want this one with yes. that detail and this detail and these colors. And your creative eye was so keen on putting it all together in such a nice way. You, um, you made it very, very easy as a consumer to fall in love both with the process and with the end result. I gave your art as wedding presents. I gave it to friends. I gave it to all sorts of people because I just wanted them to have something beautiful and crafted with so much love in their house. So from that standpoint, it was like, holy cow, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. How can I support this person who I think is just glorious? And then you went into some of your passion projects that you talked about. And the listeners can't see this, but I am video conferencing with you. And I can see one of them on the wall behind yes. you. And it's um, They're everywhere. It's one of, you have, you know, creative fabric that you use and you kind of do this mishmash of what one would expect to see with not something they would expect to see. And you yes. have this beautiful floral print behind you on the wall with two skulls on it. And um, it, it's just such a lovely 
way to kind of shock someone. It's yes. a, like a shocking experience almost to see your art. And I really appreciate that experience with some of your pieces. How did you make your own patterns to turn into these things? So I, I'm very blessed to be married to a graphic designer. Some of these patterns, um, because he's a graphic designer, a lot of times he's able to take that vision and put it together much faster than I can. Embordoir, however, is 110% me. He doesn't touch it. I'm the one who, you know, puts it together, start to finish, conception, mock-up, printing out, you know, putting it all together. The pieces that I've done for you, um, you know, I haven't done pieces like that before. You know, you've never really come to me and said, hey, I like this piece that you did. Can you recreate it like that? <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. <you> know, <laughs> no, no, no. But, but that's what I love. That's what I love about Threadfox. Yeah. It, the form itself is so traditional that you can't help but kind of get that in my opinion, that warm, fuzzy feeling that you would imagine of walking into a space where you immediately feel comforted. Like the right. amount of effort that goes into creating a piece of embroidery has so much energy infused in it. I think that mm -hmm. when you see something like that in someone's home, it's, it's immediately comforting. It's immediately yes. welcoming. And I appreciate that you are able to give that kind of feeling with your art while also having it be specifically meant for that particular family, specifically yes. meant for the types of things that they enjoy or the activities that are fun for them or a, like you're doing with your, um, tell me the name of your business again. Embroidoir. 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 Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm totally butchering it. But in Bordoir, we'll get it. It's, <laughs> you know, specifically having um, such an intimate piece that yes. someone can look at and um, really enjoy seeing themselves from a different perspective. I just think that's just so magical. Um, it, it really, really, truly is. And it has been, I love, like I said, I love every piece that I've done with Threadfox. And I hope to continue doing that. And Bordoir is just different in the sense of it is so deeply personal. No matter how body positive and sex positive you are, it is so intimate. It is so intimate. And especially the way that I do it because nude embroidery is not new. No. Um, but I yours looks very pop art. Like it's very different than how I've seen it in other ways. So. And I, I think the things that that set it apart is two things. One, I've never seen, not to toot my own horn, but- I mean, I've if never, anything, this is the place to toot your horn, so go for it. <laughs> I've never seen nude embroidery commissions. I've never seen custom ones that look like, oh, this is of a person. And, and I think that the other ones are amazing. They're great, they're beautiful. And I don't even wanna say generic, but I look at those and I can't pick myself out in them yeah. or I can't pick a certain person out in them. So that's one thing that I was super excited to bring forward is this is you. If you're give if you are gifting this to a partner, they're gonna know that's <laughs> your body. <laughs> um you know and then the other thing that I'm so excited to do with 
my, my particular nude embroidery art is I want to capture you and your body in an honest and transparent way. So what that means is when I create this piece, I'm not shying away from the stretch marks. I'm not shying away from the wrinkles. I'm not shying away from the veins or the birthmarks or the tattoos or, you know, the hair or whatever. I, I want to create what you see in the mirror and turn that into something that you are excited to see. So many of us look in the mirror and we just see imperfections, but I want to bring those imperfections out. I don't want to hide them. I don't want to Photoshop them away. I'm not going to Snapchat filter you. They feel Um, elevated. They really do. Right. And I, I want to, I want you to see the beauty in your body as a whole. I love my stretch marks. They are, my husband and I will agree, one of the sexiest parts about me. I love them. Um, And I know that not everyone loves that part of their body. I know that not everyone loves their hip dips or, you know, that little extra bit around their arms that they've been trying to trim away. But I want you to love that. I want you to love that even if you're working towards becoming healthy and working out and this, that, and the other. Like, I don't want you to be so focused on what you want your body to look like eventually that you lose sight of the beauty that it is in literally right now. Yeah, that's amazing. Hopefully, my hope is that when my clients see the completed art and, you know, their stretch marks are there and their wrinkles are there and their smile is there, that they see that and think, oh, wow, I look beautiful in this and then start to see that in the mirror that they look beautiful there as well. Yeah. Well, tell people where they can find you. Okay, so you can find me on Facebook and Instagram right now, and uh, you would do facebook.com slash embordoir, and that is spelled E-M-B-O-U-D-O-I-R underscore embroidery, and it's the same with Instagram uh, handle, Perfect. embordoir underscore embroidery. Perfect. Well... Rebecca, thank you so much. This has been just a pleasure. I hope you all of the best success as you move forward into the holiday season. And um, I'm just so inspired with as you're moving through life, your parenting journey and all of your artistic endeavors. So thank you for sharing those so openly as well. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you. Cool. Well, I will talk to you again. But for now, we have to say goodbye with all of our listeners. So thanks everyone for joining us on A Swift Moment. And be sure to check out Rebecca's art. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks.